We're going to be in John chapter 4. And uh, if you could just turn there, I think it would be great. We're going to uh, revisit a lot of the scriptures that we even just read through in the beginning. And so uh, I would like for it to be in front of you. And uh, hopefully it can really sink in deep tonight. And uh, you can really get a hold of what the Lord has for us tonight. So John chapter 4 is uh, where we're going to be. And we're going to start in verse 19. And we'll read verses 19 through 42 of John chapter 4. So starting with verse 19, it says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all the things. All things that ever I did, is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, There are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors." And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And now that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Lord, I pray that you would just guide us tonight into the truth that you would have us to hear from your word, Lord. I pray that you would touch every person here tonight, Lord, that we would uh, hear what you would say to us, Lord, that tonight we would truly just 
dive into a deeper relationship with you and a deeper understanding of who you are, Lord, that we would be available to your call, available to what you want us to do, God. I pray that you would guide what I have to say, Lord, that it would only be of you, Lord, that nothing that would be out of turn, what I would say, Lord, just anoint our ears to hear your word tonight, Lord, and I just pray your blessing on each one here, Lord, that we may be a light to this dying world. Amen. So if you didn't know, this is the story of the woman at the well. And in case you're not completely familiar with the story, I'll give you some of the back story. Uh, Jesus was traveling and the scripture says that he must needs go through Samaria. So as they're traveling, they go through Samaria, which is a little odd because the Jews didn't like the Samaritans in general. The Samaritans didn't like them. Uh, it was just the way things were. There's some backstory to that, but it's not that big of a deal. So they just didn't like each other. So Jesus came to a well and he sat down and this woman was there about to get her water. And Jesus asked her for a drink. And uh, she was like, why are you talking to me? You guys don't like me. And so uh, then Jesus tells her to go call her husband. And, of course, he says some other things about how uh, he can give her water that she would never thirst again and stuff like that. Just read all that chapter 4 if you want to know more in detail about what it is. But he, Jesus tells her to go call her husband, and she says, well, I have no husband. So then Jesus says, yes, that's true. Uh, you've actually had five husbands, and the one that you are with now is not even your husband. And so this is where we come uh, to our passage. We started in verse 19. Uh, where Jesus said, uh, or when, where the woman said, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet, because Jesus had just told her her life. And so she says, I, I perceive that you are a prophet, and then they're going to continue their conversation, and they start talking about worship here. So uh, this woman starts to try to debate where worship should take place. But Jesus was more concerned about who was worshipped because he says to her, you worship what you know, not what. You don't know what you worship. And uh, then he says, the hour is coming and is now upon them, or even better yet, it's upon us, that the true worshipers shall arise and worship God in spirit and in truth. I think that's a phrase that you've probably heard pretty often, being in church and, and being around uh, Christians, that we must worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. But are you a true worshiper tonight? Do you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he is truth and do you worship him in that revelation? Because if we are going to worship him in truth, then we must believe the truth of who he is. That is part of the truth that we worship him in. We know who he is. We know what he's done. We know how he's overcome and we know how he's redeemed us. And we worship him in that truth of knowing who he is. And also, do you allow his spirit to speak to you and to reveal to you his glory? Because that's the other side of it. We must be worshiping in this as the spirit leads us, as the spirit guides us, because the spirit guides us into all truth and he guides us in what we should do. Uh, we need more than just a simple song sung to live a Christian life, to live this Christian life. You guys need more than coming in here and hear me plunk on the guitar and try to lead you in worship. You need more than that. You can't just sit back and listen to that and, oh, there's my worship for the week. I've definitely worshiped the Lord and I'm good now. Now I can go out into the dying world and really minister to them. That's not all it is. That's not what it's about when we are in this room and we are worshiping. It's more. We need more 
than a little, just a little hand raised now and then to glorify God. We need more of him lifted up in this place. We need to lift him up and worship him in spirit and in truth. And then Jesus said that the father seeketh such to worship him. He's, what he's saying is the father seeketh those to worship him in spirit and in truth. He is looking for this. And so to seek is to go in search or quest of, to look for, to search for by going from place to place, to inquire for, to ask for. Seek is followed sometimes by out or after. To seek out properly implies to look for a specific thing among a number the Lord is call, is looking through all the people that go to church, all the people that claim they are Christians, and he's looking basically through all the people even in the world, and he's looking, hey, who's worshiping? Who's worshiping me in spirit and in truth? Who's out there? Who's at Blessing Heights worshiping me in spirit and in truth? Who is, who is in Caspell, Missouri that's worshiping me in spirit and in truth? Where are they? I'm looking for them. I'm seeking them. I want that. I want them to be doing that. He's looking. He's seeking it out. He's looking over everybody and trying to pick out those that are worshiping him. Because he wants to be worshiped in that way. Not in the way that your personality permits you to worship. Oh, well, I'm just shy. That's it. That's the end of it. I'm never going to shout. I'm never going to raise my hands. I'm never going to twirl in a circle. I'm never going to do nothing because that's not in my personality. Therefore, it's outside of what I'm going to do in worship. That is not how it works. Your personality does not dictate how you worship him. He dictates it. If he's our Lord, then we allow him to dictate our worship. Uh, not in the way that you think is good enough. Oh, well, you know, I stood up during that one song. That's good enough for worship. No, it's how he says to worship. Not in the way that grandpa or grandma thought was good. Where grandpa and grandma says that when I worship, I should do a little jig or I should go and run around in circles. That's the way that that's good enough for worship. No, what's good enough for worship is how God says is the way we should worship. You don't let everyone else around you the way they're worshiping dictate how you worship and I've been there it is so easy to worship when everybody else is it's so easy to get in whenever you're I don't know how many of you have maybe even been to a Christian concert but you know there's people there everybody's swaying to the music you know everybody's kind of lifting their hands you you might get a little more into that in actually trying to worship the Lord than you do in our church whenever people are being a little bit more still and reserved but that shouldn't dictate how you worship or who you worship, or the way you worship. We don't need to worry about the way that it's acceptable in our culture, or at our school, or amongst our group of friends. God seeks those that will throw all of this aside and worship him in his spirit and in his truth in his way. That is the way he is seeking. He is seeking us to worship him in truth and in spirit. And I'm not here to dictate how you worship either. How you worship is the way he leads you to worship. How you worship. But don't let any of those other things play into that because that's not the way it works. The way it works is what he says is the way we should. And in verse 24 it says that those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There is no way around that word must. If you want to worship God, you have to do it his way. 
And we're not going to get into much more about that part of worship tonight. That's about is the highlights that we're going to hit. But if you want to know more about worship and you want to dig more deeply into that, then why don't you look it up in the Old Testament about the way that they worshiped or even in the New Testament or even look, do a study on those words, spirit and in truth. What does that mean? If you dig into the word and you dig into some of those meanings, the Lord will reveal to you what he wants you to know at this point in your life. Maybe you're not ready to do some of the things in worship that you may be ready to do in five years. But if you dig in now, then he will start guiding you to a place where you will be in that spirit and in that truth when you worship. And so we're going to look at verses, uh, let me see, we're going to look at verses 25 and 26. So we're going to break it down and go through each of these verses now. The woman saith unto him, verse 25, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So it is revealed here to this woman that Jesus is the Messiah. He tells her who he is. So has Jesus told you who he really is? Has he visited you and said, I am that I am, and this is who the I am is? Have you gotten that personal revelation of who he really is? Think about that. Do you know who he is? Do you know what he's done for you and what he, he is in you and what he has done in your life? Do you know that? Do you have, is it tangible? Can you hold on to that? Who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus? We know who Jesus is to the world. He's the Savior. He, he died for all the sins. But who is he to you? Has he revealed himself to you? Better yet, have you allowed him to reveal himself to you? Because we have to accept it. He reveals it and we accept it. So that's what happens here. He reveals to her that he is the Messiah. If you don't even know the truth of who he is, then how can you worship him in truth if you don't even know the truth of who he is? So talk to him. Linger before his presence so he can reveal himself to you in a powerful way. This doesn't have to be some kind of big, drawn-out religious exercise where you fall face down on the floor of your room and you just cry out to God for an hour. It doesn't have to involve all of that. Just linger before him. Be still before him and ask him, Jesus, who are you really? I want to know the truth of who you are so I may worship you in that truth. So then you will know how to worship in truth because you know the truth. So uh, verse 27 shows that the disciples come back and see Jesus talking to this woman, but they don't want to ask. They're like, oh, well, we see that she's talking to this woman and we don't know why, but we're not going to ask why. So then in verses 28 through 30, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. So she had an encounter with Jesus. And then she went to spread that word. How often do we go tell about our encounters with Christ? Are we having encounters with Christ? Are we spreading that word of what Christ has done in our lives? This woman was just introduced to the truth, to Jesus. And she instantly became a missionary to spread the gospel. She instantly went out and started spreading the gospel in that moment. So this is something that sometimes takes people years to step into a calling. But she did it right away. Because I can imagine so many years ago, it just 
took me years to even get comfortable with some things, just working towards it. But she just went out and she started telling people about what Christ had done for her. So in verses 31 through 33, the disciples beg Jesus to eat something, but he tells them he has meat to eat that they don't know about. So they begin to question whether someone has brought food to him. And then Jesus elaborates a little more. And now let's look at verses 34 through 38. So let's start in verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, and both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye entered into their labors." So Jesus explains that his meat is to do the will of the Father and to finish his work. He isn't in need of the things that the world has to offer because he gets his fulfillment that he needs just by doing that task, just by fulfilling the, the Father's will. Man, what a concept. If we could just live in that way, to only desire the Lord's will to be done, and that would satisfy us. We wouldn't get caught up in all the fluff of the world, the entertainment and the stuff and the possessions and, and the gadgets. But we would be convinced that we were doing the will of God and that is what brought us satisfaction. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a little rest or, or, or taking a little, a little time and, and, and enjoying and having a little bit of fun. But to really be fulfilled by doing the will of God is where our main focus should be. We shouldn't have to seek out uh, other things of the world to be able to feel fulfillment or to feel like we are doing uh, what we need to do. So Jesus says uh, next... He says, say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. He says we should not calculate when we think the harvest will come, but to lift up our eyes and to see that it is now. The harvest of souls is now. We don't need to start thinking that, well, you know, all these other things haven't come to pass, so the rapture isn't as close as we thought. We need to be thinking, no, the time to harvest souls is now. It is not at an appointed time in the future, but if we would just open our eyes, we would see that it is now to be busy about the Lord's work. So coming back to our title, are we available? Are we available to do what he is longing to do in our community? Are we saying that I am willing to do anything that you need me to do? Do, Lord. That's what she said in the song. We volunteer for whatever you may need. That would be a bold statement to say to the Lord because you have no idea what he's going to ask you to do. But are we willing to say it? Are we willing to still press in and say whatever you need? Like Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Just send me. I'll go, Lord, wherever. I want to be available. I don't care what it is. Just let me be a part of this harvest. Whatever it is, God, whatever you want me to do, let me sow or let me reap. Let me go somewhere or let me stay where I am. Let me sing for you or let me dance for you. Let me just do what you need in this hour. And the story of Esther, uh, in case you don't know a little bit of the backstory to that, the story of Esther is whenever she was a, a Jewish girl and she um, lived in 
Susa, right? Anyway, it was uh, uh, not a Jewish community. So she lived there, and then uh, King Xerxes, remember, he kicked out the queen because she wouldn't come before him. And so he kicked her out, so he was looking for a new queen. Well, Esther was chosen. She captured the king's heart, and she became queen. And so then comes this time whenever Haman wants to destroy the entire nation of the Jews. Haman is going to destroy them all. On a certain day, they were all going to be killed. He tricked the king into signing this law into, into law. And so uh, Mordecai gets with Esther and he's like, Esther, you're going to have to go. You, you're the queen. You can go before the queen and you could speak for us. And Esther's like, I can't go before the, the king because if I go in there, he's allowed to kill me. Unless he lets his scepter come down and I'm allowed to touch it, he can kill me on the spot for coming into the court and approaching him. And so Mordecai says, you know what, Esther? Maybe this is maybe this is the moment. Maybe this is why you were chosen to be queen. Why God put you in that place for such a time as this. And I'm sure you've heard that phrase. That's what Mordecai said to Esther. You were put there for maybe such a time as this. And in case you don't know, she did go into the king and he did grant her petition and she saved the Jewish people. She saved all the Jewish people. And so we were they are still alive today because she went in and did that. And so you just as Mordecai said that to Esther, you are in your position for such a time as this. You were created for this time. This is why you're here. You weren't born at the wrong time. You weren't moved to the wrong city. You're not going to the wrong school. You are in every class. You are taking every step for such a time as this so that you can impact this generation. So you can impact this school that you go to, this town that you live in. But are you available to be the vessel he needs to reach them? Esther could have easily said, no, I could die. I ain't doing it. And Mordecai said, if you refuse to do that, there will arise redemption from somewhere else for the Jews. However, you yourself will lose your life. We are here for this time, for such a time as this. But are we available to be that vessel? Are we available to be what he needs us to be to reach these people that are around us? Are you available to do the things that he has called you to do, to, to, to fulfill what he has equipped you to do? Every single little personality trait that you have, he has put in there for a reason to use for his glory. You were fashioned by the hands of the king, and he wants to use you for his glory. So now this next part I just love so much. So verses 39 through 42. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior 
of the world. So some of these people believed just because the woman came and told her testimony. They came and they asked Jesus after that, and they said, Hey, Jesus, please stay. Abide with us. And so Jesus stayed there for a couple of days and granted them what they asked for. When we begin to call on his name and worship him and ask him just to remain with us, he will grant what we ask. He does not hesitate to grant that request whenever we, we plead with him. Please, Jesus, linger with me longer. So more believed on him because of his own word, because of what he said. They asked him to stay. He stayed, and because of the words he spoke, even more came and were saved. So they said to the woman, okay, we believe, not just because of your word, not because of your word, but because we have heard him ourselves. Because that woman at the well was available to tell what Christ had done in her life, to tell what he was, and and spread the truth of who he was, Uh, because she was available, uh, She was able to bring people to a place where they could be with Jesus. And they were able to hear Jesus for themselves. So if we would just be available to proclaim Christ, if our lives would be a living testimony of his greatness, then we would create an atmosphere for people to hear Jesus' voice. If we would seek him just to tarry with us, if we would just feel after him and ask him to to remain with us and continue to live our lives and let him live through us, uh, then he would tarry with us and we would truly live for him and the harvest would be gathered in. It should be our desire to bring people to a place that they can hear Jesus' voice. And I don't just mean for you to bring people to a place such as the church so they can hear the preacher preach and then they can get saved. But for you to have an atmosphere, be in a spiritual place that the word uh, place in that sense would be like a spiritual place in their lives. Basically, you're carrying church with you and you're the preacher. And you're the place where they can hear Jesus' voice because Jesus is so real and Jesus is so alive and you're allowing Jesus' life to live out in your life. But if you bring someone to church, obviously that's great, and they can be saved there. But just your life as a testimony should be a place that can minister the truth of the gospel. So are you available to do the Lord's work? Are you available to do what he has called you to do in the hour that you live in? Are you willing to lay aside some of the things that you desire so that some of some of the the reputation are you willing to lay that aside to worship him so that he can truly be made known in this generation so i'm just going to ask that we go ahead and pray about this and uh, seek the lord's face for what he would want to do for us tonight